Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined by 444.com's John Paulson. And when the Packers and Falcons both lose on a Sunday, usually you get pretty salty, Stalter and Paulson, on Monday Monday morning. Uh, would that would that be the case today, John? It would be the case. Um, I think the, the Packers are falling into a regular trend of starting really slow because of poor planning and execution, which I put on Coach Mike McCarthy mostly. And then uh, they get they get down by two scores, and then they let uh, Rodgers go no huddle, hurry up, and do his thing, and maybe they come back. Maybe they don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I don't see why we need to dig a hole every game. I would love to see if somebody out there has access to, and maybe I should do this in the offseason or something, but I would love to see like opening drives under McCarthy versus opening drives under other Packer coaches, including Mike Holmgren, and just other coaches in general across the league. It just seems like we can never get off to a a good start by putting six, uh, six seven points up on the board uh, with that first drive. I almost took the Packers in the second half yesterday because that that had one of those games written all over where it's like, yeah, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. Aaron Rodgers is going to do his thing. But something told me, just just looking at some of the halftime statistics, that that might not be the case. Yeah, it was. I don't know what the line was, but uh, you know they had their opportunities. A couple drops by Randall Cobb, fumble. By him as well, uh, drop a couple other drops as well. Uh, I think, oh yeah, the, the long pass to Lance Kendricks who went right through his hands. So it just wasn't wasn't meant to be yesterday. No, uh, and I small rant on my Falcons. So I keep hearing today, oh man, the hit on Drew Brees. That was what? What are you doing? You got you got to knock him down. And Drew Brees is great. And those things are all correct. And then I keep hearing, oh Atlanta's defense sucks. Yeah, they're down two safeties. They're down one of their top pass rushers. They're down their uh, all all pro Pro Bowl linebacker Deion Jones. The, just just for comparison's sake, that would be like saying the Seahawks are down Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, and Michael Bennett. Like you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna slow down Drew Brees. I thought that was pretty impressive what the offense did yesterday, and we'll get into one of the heroes of that game. But you know, the, the, my expectations are, are completely lowered now with this Falcons team because they just they're not going to have. They're not going to have a defense. It's not going to get better. They're they're down to their second string, third string uh, depth in some cases. Yeah, maybe we should just when it comes to the Packers and Falcons, just look forward to 2019. There you go. That's a sad. <laughs> that's a sad thing since we're sitting here Monday Night Football uh, week week three. Week three. All right, yeah. uh, tell us about the music, then we'll get into some of the goodies here on the podcast. Yeah, this was a. Uh, uh, a song called "The uh, Burning Man" by a Watt is the name of the guitarist. I love this song. Is, you like this song, I so love it, yeah. Post Malone is the singer on it. I'm not. I can. I don't need. I don't need much Post Malone in my life. But this is a pretty good track. The guitars on it is really good. The guitarist is from New York City. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot on Spotify, but this track is up. So I'll put it on the uh, Most Accurate Podcast uh, playlist on Spotify, which you can find. If you do a search or if you go to 444.com, look at the podcast playlist, there's a link to the Spotify playlists, uh, both of them in uh, in those podcast posts. So check it out. It's a great jam. All right, before we dive into the latest news and injuries, still want to tell you about 444 League Sync app with the, that's available at the App Store. It's free for existing pro and DFS subscribers and classic sub- subscribers can use the app to optimize their lineups at no cost. For pro and DFS DFS subscribers, you'll also be able to easily identify the players on the waiver wire that are projected to score the most points in any given week. So 444 League Sync app, 
does the work, does the hard lifting for you. It saves you a lot of time since you won't have to scour the waiver wire trying to find a spot to start. If you'd like to try that out, try out that functionality, you can get a free seven-day trial through the app. It works with ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, and My Fantasy League. If you aren't a 4 for 4 subscriber and you buy a pro subscription through the app, you'll get full access to the 4 for 4 website as well. As we keep saying, an Android version is coming soon. We haven't forgot about you Android users, uh, but one is not available yet. So check out 4 for 4 League Sync app, S-Y-N-C, 4 for 4 League Sync app. Let's dive into the injuries, then we'll get into some, I'm gonna, I got some quick hit fantasy questions for you. We'll do RBBC and then some Monday Night Football, but let's start off with the injuries. And it is devastating news for the 49ers, who are going to be without quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. He suffered a torn ACL, or at least that's that's all the indications from both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the general manager, that he tore the ACL. It happened on a play, John, where he could have easily gone out of bounds, uh, saved himself a hit, but he tears the ACL, and now we're looking at C.J. Beathard starting for the 49ers for the foreseeable future. How does this impact George Kittle, Marquise Goodwin, and some of the other 49ers skill position players. Uh, not great, Bob. This is, <laughs> this is not not good at all uh, for this entire team. So Goodwin, Garcon, uh, Kittle uh, are all going to be downgraded some, and then uh, uh, Brita and Morris as well. Uh, yeah, I saw the I saw the the play where he did this. It looked like he planted his. I think it was his left leg that he ended up tearing the ACL in. I believe. He, yeah, I believe he was trying to plant and then kind of get ready for the hit. And that I believe it was the left. Yeah, these these guys, especially quarterbacks, they get to the sideline and they want to be big big boys or tough guys and put their shoulder down and get extra yards. But uh, he ends up planting his foot and. Um, Tears his ACL trying to cut back inside where he should just run out of bounds. But, I mean, it's easy to second-guess right now, uh, given what happened. Um, this is a huge blow to the, the 49ers. I mean, they already lost Jerick McKinnon to an ACL uh, tear earlier in the year. And uh, <coughs> this is this is com- going to completely sink their, their season in terms of playoff hopes or any of that. So, And from a fantasy standpoint, it's just bad all around. A.J. Green is expected to play in Week 4. He went down on the first drive of the second half, never made it back. The Bengals initially listed him as probable to return before holding him out. Any long-term situation here, John, that uh, you should be worried about? Uh, He's day-to-day, so we'll see what he does this week in practice. Um, It didn't sound like it was too serious. If he's out, it's obviously going to be an upgrade for Tyler Boyd and John Ross. Uh, uh, But uh, getting back to the quarterback situation, I I did mean to, to... to discuss a little bit about what owners can do, Garoppolo owners can do in the short term. Uh, there, there are players out on the waiver wire in most leagues that uh, can help them get through this week. And, and if you go to our site tomorrow, there will be uh, our adjusted fantasy points allowed will be updated for 2018 numbers for the first time uh, after week three. So you'll be able to see which uh, quarterbacks have the easiest uh, short-term, long-term schedules. Uh, it's a really valuable tool that we uh, have at 4 for 4, and I'm excited about This is I call a week 4 AFPA week. Um, I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to that, so I love, the, <laughs> love those numbers, having those available for me for the rankings. Uh, but just looking at the schedules for the, up, the quarterbacks in the upcoming week, I mean, Case Keenum has KC at home. That's a nice matchup. Ryan Tannehill is playing well. He's thrown at least two touchdowns each game. He's playing at New England this week. Eli coming off a good game. 
this week is, is at home uh, against New Orleans, so that's a good matchup. Andy Dalton's at Atlanta. As you mentioned, the, the Falcons are really banged up. And then Blake Bortles is, uh, faces the Jets this week at home, so he should uh, probably bounce back from that uh, poor, week game, uh, poor week three game against Tennessee. So there are guys now that you can stream, and you're probably going to get the same or better production uh, than you were getting out of Garoppolo. All right. Similar question here with Cleveland. Looks like Baker Mayfield's going to be the starter. It, it, nothing's official yet, but the word should come down at some point this morning. Tyrod Taylor suffered that concussion. He's day-to-day. So this is this is an opportunity to talk about the Browns now with, with Baker Mayfield. What are your thoughts on some of their skill position players now that Mayfield's in this, uh, under center instead of the, the very underrated Tyrod Taylor, but John, certainly a, a quarterback that can be cautious? Well, yeah, Tyrod is underrated, especially in fantasy circles, because of his ability to post points with his legs, and that's not always appreciated uh, in NFL circles because he's not the most accurate uh, passer, and he was struggling with the Browns there the first three weeks of the season. So uh, Mayfield came in and completed 17 of 23 passes for 201 yards. He basically played two-plus quarters, um, didn't throw a touchdown pass, but 8.74 uh, yards per Attempt. He only ran twice for negative two yards, so not not big in that uh, aspect of the game so far. Sixty uh, percent of the snaps, so he played just over half the game. Looking ahead, he's got the, the the Raiders this week, so he's another one we could add to this list of quarterbacks that could help owners get through uh, at least week four, uh, you know, with quarterback problems. Um, and then after that, he's got Baltimore, and then uh, which is not a great matchup, and then the Chargers, who are down some players as well on defense and could be a pretty good matchup after that tampa not a bad matchup at all pittsburgh not a bad matchup at all kc not a bad matchup at all in fact it's a very good matchup and then atlanta week 10 uh depending on how healthy the falcons are uh that's a nice matchup as well so baker mayfield looked great when he came in uh there are going to be some ups and downs with these young quarterbacks there always are uh but he looks like a player with a decent set of receiving options it would have been better if josh gordon had stayed there in that receiving core but you know Antonio Callaway can make plays Jarvis Landry David Njoku and they have Duke Johnson as well as a receiver so pretty good group of receivers there for for Mayfield to throw to all right John so uh, in our league in our fantasy league I have Jimmy Garoppolo as my starting quarterback and I have uh, actually I'm sorry I, I, I have Evan Ingram in another league I thought I had him in that one so this this was going to be a double hit for me but never mind um, Evan Ingram's got a knee injury he'll undergo an MRI today but ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that Ingram's going to be week-to-week with a sprained MCL. That's good because it looks like we'll know in a couple of weeks he should return, but I doubt that he's going to play next week. Red Ellison right now is the backup. He caught three passes for 39 yards and a touchdown against the Texans. Is he viable? Is he a viable option for Ingram owners? Yeah, I mean, he's a decent streamer. Uh, I think the big winner is probably Sterling Shepard, who has been had been struggling heading into this week three game against Houston, but then he caught a touchdown and um, had a good game. So I think it's just more, it's more targets going to Shepard uh, who was kind of out of the mix a little bit first couple of weeks. Um, but uh, with that Ingram injury, I think that opens up some more opportunity for him. All right. I'm going to give you some week three fantasy football quick hitters. I'll just ask you three questions on three players that either stood out or have interesting uh, fantasy related you know, aspects to their game. First one's Calvin Ridley. Three touchdowns, huge game yesterday against the Saints. Obviously, people are going to target him on the waiver wire. However, is he a weekly flex option now moving forward? 
Uh, I think I think so. I mean, you're looking at what he has done so far, and it was a really bad week one. I mean, he played 60-something percent of the snaps, didn't even get targeted uh, against Philly, and Philly wasn't a bad matchup uh, from a cornerback standpoint. So he played 66% of the snaps, didn't do anything, literally did nothing <laughs> from a receiving standpoint. I'm sure he threw some blocks and stuff, but... Ransom routes, but uh, week two, four for 64 and a touchdown on five targets against Carolina. That looks nice, right? So you got five targets, but I mean, you got the four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown, but it's only on five targets and you, he's playing 56% of the snaps. So that's a little worrisome. Like um, for me, you'd like to see guys, if you're going to start ranking them in the top 40, you'd like to see them getting six, seven targets and playing 60, at least 60, 70% of the snaps. Uh, but then finally, week three, seven for 146, three touchdowns on eight targets. He's playing, and that, he did all that on just 62% of the snaps. Uh, so I actually wrote a little bit about this for SI this morning uh, with relation to Tyler Boyd and to Mike Williams in uh, San Diego and uh, for the Chargers in yeah. LA um, about players that you know we were looking at as number three, number four options in their passing games now making the case that they're the number two option. And that's when you go from being sort of a late-round prospect that you stash on your bench to actually putting these guys in your starting lineup because you're going from maybe three to four targets per game up to six to seven to eight targets per game. And you need that extra work in order to get the, to get the fantasy production to justify you being a starter. So in Ridley's case, yes, he's, he's you know four touchdowns in the last two weeks, 200 yards receiving. Uh, but I think the more important thing is he's out-targeting Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is still out-playing him snaps-wise, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I don't think that's going to last too long. I think they are going to get Ridley on the field a little bit more. Maybe his his snap percentage gets above 70%, and if he's above 70 then I feel pretty comfortable ranking him in the top 30, top 40 every week. Yeah, I always thought the game plan after the Falcons selected Ridley in the first round was that he and Julio Jones were going to be your outside threats. Mohamed Sanu was going to be inside where he could take advantage matchup-wise, size-wise, to with smaller corners or linebackers, which obviously he's, he's faster than. Safeties would also fit in that category. That's always what I, th- what I thought would happen. Through the first three weeks, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. Sanu's going to line up a lot in the slot. Calvin Ridley's going to line up uh, on the outside. Sanu did catch a touchdown two-point conversion yesterday, but I, they, I, it, when the Falcons are at their best, and Julio Jones owners are, are not going to like to hear this, but they're at their best when they're, when they're moving the ball around a lot in that offense, not just Julio for 19 targets and the rest of the off, you know, the rest of the skill skill position players are, as you know, to use your term, John, just blocking. Um, so I, I think that eventually you'll still see Julio uh, get the most of the targets, then it's going to be Ridley, then it's going to be Sanu. And Steve Sarkeesian refuses to use his running backs in the passing game, so you don't even have to worry about that. (laughs) Well, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, Tampa, and and the Giants coming up, so it looks like a pretty good schedule to come up for the the Atlanta receivers. And they're going to have to score. That's the other thing. I mean, we keep talking about the, the Atlanta defense. This is a team yesterday that scored 31 points yesterday and lost. So they're 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 going to have to score. They're going to have to be like the Chiefs, only in a losing fashion. Uh, Kenny Galladay. Here's another question for wide receiver, uh, a wide receiver. Caught six of seven passes, 53 yards, and a touchdown in that Lions upset victory over the Patriots. He starts over get Golden Tate in two week sets. That that continu- continues to be a trend. Is he a wide receiver too now in a in a weekly weekly situation? Yeah, I think so. He's he's basically taking. I wouldn't say he's taking over from Marvin Jones because Marvin Jones is still playing a pretty central role in this offense. But you look at uh, 
just call it his game log. He's averaging 9.3 targets per game, 12, 9, and 7. So his targets have decreased over the last three weeks, but I don't think it really matters a whole lot. His snaps are 88% plus. Uh, this offense can support three fantasy receivers, uh, especially since they lost uh, Eric Ebron. Like All those targets that were going to the tight ends are going to Ebron specifically are now being distributed amongst the um, uh, the receivers there and also theoretic. So uh, there's plenty of work to go around to support Golden Tate, uh, Kenny Galladay, and uh, Marvin Jones. Typically this team is going to be trailing. Uh, they weren't last night, so I think that's part of the reason why the passing numbers were a little bit more gaudy. I thought Stafford had a good chance at a 300-yard, uh, you know, 45-attempt type game. Um uh, but they were in control of the offense or in control of the scoreboard for most of the game and didn't have to throw as much as we kind of thought they would. But Galladay, I mean, 114 yards week one, 89 week two, 53 week three. He's got at least six catches in each game, uh, at least seven targets. So I think he's uh, going to be entering the wide receiver two discussion on a weekly basis. All right, last quick hitter, and then we'll get to some RBBCs. Josh Rosen, if you watched that game yesterday against the Bears, Sam Bradford fumbles as they as they drew closer to the end zone, and the very next series you saw Josh Rosen warming up. It happened to be a situation where had Rosen led the Cardinals in the field goal range, he actually had two cracks. They would have won the game. So with with the chips, <laughs> with all the chips pushed to the center of the pile, Steve Wilkes, the new head coach for the Cardinals, threw Josh Rosen into the mix. He threw an interception. Bears wound up hanging on in that game, but. From a fantasy standpoint, how does Josh Rosen impact the rest of the Cardinals' offensive skill set players now that he's likely to emerge as the starter? Yeah, I would expect it to happen sooner rather than later. They're zero and three, and you know, at some point they're gonna, you know, just gonna cut bait on on Bradford as a starter and get their young guy in there for experience, even if it's just looking forward to twenty nineteen. Uh, it looks like uh, the you know, Larry Fitzgerald having the hamstring injury, but, uh, you know, if he's healthy, I think this, I think it's okay for him, uh, but he needs to get fully healthy and you've got Rosen in there throwing to him. That, that should be fine. I mean, I like Bradford in that role because Bradford likes to, to, to kind of dink and dunk and he would definitely target uh, Fitzgerald quite a bit. Uh, does Rosen really help these other guys? I don't know. We have to see more of Rosen to see if he's really better than Sam Bradford at this point. I, you know, Sam Bradford, Heading into this season, we looked at him as a guy who's you know injured all the time, uh, but he could throw the ball pretty well and has led pretty good offenses in the past. Uh, so I'm a little surprised that they're you know he's struggling to the level that he has in the first three games. Um, so as far as the, the other uh, uh, offensive players there in terms of the fantasy stars like uh, David Johnson, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, Ricky Seals Jones, I don't know that. This is going to be a great move for them. I think Robert Rosen's going to have to get some experience and get some, uh, you know, uh, throws under his belt in order to uh, really take control, take reins of this offense, and, and really get things going. Uh, so, in the short term, it's probably worse for those guys, and maybe in the long term, it's better. But one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, wasn't on the rundown, but what do you think of this uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, trade? rumor thing situation yeah. going on what is that what, what do you make of that it, it, to me i think the steelers it would behoove the steelers to trade him now first of all you still have most of the season left so if a contender like i don't know the the lions for example or uh and i know that um the rookie johnson rushed for 100 yards yesterday the first time in in, in a few few years so i i don't want to you know 
uh, I don't want to minimize what Kenny carry on Johnson did last time, but if the Lions were interested in Le'Veon Bell or somebody like that, it, it makes sense for, for the Steelers to not wait any longer, trade trade him right now. They clearly do not want to bring him back on a long-term deal. If they did, they would have done so two years ago, and they could have avoided this holdout mess. The other, the other fact here, too, and I think this is kind of an underrated aspect, not saying that James Conner can do the same things that Le'Veon Bell can, certainly not in the passing game. However, James Conner has been efficient, and he, they have had, had some success offensively with him as their starting running back. They outgained the Browns in Week 1. They outgained the, the, the uh, Chiefs in Week 2. The Steelers haven't been a disaster from an offensive standpoint. The defense has been a problem. So if James Conner can be successful and efficient and they can, they can still – you know, rack up yards offensively and rack up points offensively with him. Why not find a a uh, suitor for Le'Veon Bell and maybe recoup a second round pick for him? Uh, that that's my thoughts from a non fantasy standpoint. Do you have any thoughts from him uh, uh, from a fantasy perspective and where he could potentially fit that would make the the most sense? Well, I don't. I haven't looked at all the running back situations. I think probably any of these RBBCs that we're going to talk about are possible places for him to go but I, I look at it from the James Conner standpoint because this is a it seems like it's a big boost for his value because it seems like the, the Steelers are not holding out hope that Bell's going to return uh, this year and return to the fold so if they're listening to trade offers uh, I would think that that if that gets around to Bell which it will it already did uh, he's probably pissed off about that and maybe digs in a little bit deeper uh, and just leaves Connor as the, the the starter there in Pittsburgh and he's he's now you know, a mid to high range RB two fantasy wise, instead of being you know an RB two RB three that you know who's could turn into a pumpkin at any moment when uh, Le'Veon Bell reports to 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 practice. So uh, it just seems like this is getting to there. It seems like it's getting to be less of a chance that that Bell returns to the Steelers this year uh, versus him either sitting out the entire season or being traded somewhere else. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating story to watch unfold. And again, if the Steelers. Are intent, are, do have intentions of trading him now, it, it makes more sense to do so now than to wait because that draft compensation is only going to get worse. Let's talk about these RBBCs. We'll start off with the Broncos. Now, this is a little misleading because Philip Lindsay was actually ejected from that win over that loss to the Ravens yesterday. There was, I mean, several punches thrown in a scrum. It didn't look like it was anything malicious, but nevertheless, he was ejected. When he left, he had 20 yards on four carries. Royce Freeman rushed 13 times for 53 yards and a touchdown, and Devontae Booker, who's normally the third the third back in Denver, became the second back when Lindsey was ejected. He caught five of seven targets for 34 yards. He also rushed five times for 10 yards. What do you make of this situation following the third week for the Broncos? Uh, do you remember when in the game that Lindsey got ejected? I want to like, say that was quarter, still in the first, first half. I want to say that was in the second quarter. Okay. Uh, so four, you know, four carries in the, if it was like early in the second quarter, you got four carries in the first quarter. That sort of makes sense. Um, given the workload that he was, he was getting prior to, uh, prior to week three, uh, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on this game with the, uh, with the ejection. I don't think this really hurts him from a fantasy standpoint, other than the fact that, um, you know, he didn't get to play at all and post points for his owners this week. I don't think this hurts him in the future. I think that uh, the Broncos will continue to kind of split the work between him and Freeman, and then eventually uh, Devontae Booker will be kind of an afterthought in that offense in that backfield. 
All right, John, we finally have a leader in the clubhouse in Seattle. It's Chris Carson. He tallied 102 yards and a touchdown on 32 carries. He also caught two passes for 22 yards. Uh, those, those were his only two targets, while rookie Rashad Penny managed just three yards on five carries in that win over the Cowboys. So what is Chris Carson right now from a fantasy perspective? Well, they committed to him uh, in this particular game. looks like uh, Penny was in the doghouse a little bit, um, so that's good news for Carson. He wasn't particularly efficient, 102 yards on 32 carries, but that's extreme, that's extreme workload. Uh, plus, he had the two catches for 22 yards, so he obviously gets a bump up. I think now you're looking at him as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, uh, but who knows how long this lasts. I mean, they may give – Penny might be in the doghouse for a week or two, but, uh, you know, if Carson is – rushing at 3.5, 3.3 yards per carry, then uh, Penny's going to be back in the mix pretty quickly. So it's hard to get too excited about the situation. All right, this Dolphin situation is also misleading. So Kenyon Drake did not start yesterday. That was technically Frank Gore. But but Drake outtouched Gore 7-6. to six. Drake only rushed five times for three yards, while Gore wound up with uh, 12 yards on six carries. However, if you watched any of that game, the Raiders dominated time of possession. They had several long drives, especially in the first half in the third quarter. Miami still wound up winning, winning the football game because they had more explosive plays. So it's hard to kind of figure what Drake and Gore, you know, what the situation was like because it wound up being just kind of a nightmare for Miami's offense. But uh, is it fair to say that Kenyon Drake is still the number one back in Miami? Yeah, I think so. He's, he outsnapped uh, Frank Gore on a 66% to 36% rate. Uh, you know, got four targets in the passing game. So this is just a you know a kind of a freaky week for him. I think he'll he'll bounce back next week against the against the Patriots. All right, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the Packers because John, Jones returned. You also have Williams and Montgomery. Jones rushed six times for 42 yards. He also added a five-yard reception. Montgomery was active in the passing game. He caught six of seven targets for 48 yards. Of course, the Packers were also trailing heavily. And Jamal Williams rushed five times for 29 yards. He also added two catches for an additional 16 yards. I know you watched this game uh, heavily, so what what did you make of the Packers' backfield dis- distribution? Well, early in the offseason, we uh, heard from Mike McCarthy. who said that they had three good running backs and they're all going to play. And then towards the end of the offseason, uh, Jones was going to miss the first two games, and then it was going to be the uh, Jamal Williams show with Montgomery sprinkling in. Um, Williams didn't really do anything wrong yesterday. I mean, he averaged almost six six yards per carry, and that's his bugaboo is that he's not the best runner of this group. He's probably the third best of the of the three. Uh, Jones is easily the most electrifying. Most It's just passes the eye test. I mean, it's obvious he gets the ball and he's hits the hole hard and he's got moves and he can break tackles and, uh, and all that. The question is, can he pass protect? And when you have an immobile Aaron Rodgers back there and you have Jamal Williams, who's arguably top five at his position in pass blocking. Um, I think last year he graded out, uh, by pro football focus as like the number two pass blocking running back. Um, then it makes it's clear that they're going to play him because they need somebody to protect Rodgers. Uh, but they weren't doing a lot of max protect yesterday. They were splitting their running backs out, um, empty backfield quite a bit. So if they're going to do that, uh, then it's maybe the best receiver who's going to be split out, and that's Ty Montgomery. And he that's why he caught six passes on seven targets 
uh, out of the backfield and then also uh, split out. So it's just kind of an ugly committee right now. Um, I think if they can't get the running game going, they're going to sprinkle Jones in there and hand on the ball. But I think it's going to get really predictable that when he's in the game that it's probably going to be a running play because the, they don't trust him in pass protection. They don't throw him the ball much. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're going to see that. They did do some ha- inside handoffs with him out of the shotgun, uh, which we're going to see a lot of Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers in the shotgun over the next few weeks as he nurses his knee injury. Um, but I don't, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think it's going to be uh, really easy to trust any of these guys. When Matt Breida went down yesterday, I thought for sure we'd be talking about Breida, not Garoppolo, uh, on top of this 49ers injury list. Because if you saw the injury, it looked like he blew out his ACL and that was going to be it. He returned to the game, though. He rushed 10 times for 90 yards. He also caught three of his targets for 27 yards. Alfred Morris rushed 14 times for 67 yards and a touchdown. This still looks like it's going to be a pure committee, John. Yeah, and the running game is going right now for the 49ers, but just one wonders uh, how much this offense it takes, you know, how much of a blow it takes in terms of its rushing efficiency or even passing efficiency with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, probably having a torn ACL. So, uh, I, you know, I'm going to be, they're going to not be, <laughs> the 49ers are not going to be favored uh, in a lot of upcoming games because they have C.J. Beathard at quarterback, and so the scoring is going to be down. Yardage is going to be down, and it's going to hurt everybody involved. So it's hard to get excited about any of these guys right now. All right, with Marlon Mack out, Jordan Wilkins rushed six times for 19 yards. He also caught two passes for one yard. Naheem Hines rushed five times for 18 yards. He caught five of five targets for 25 yards. This still is a mess here in Indianapolis. It is, and it was a terrible matchup against the Eagles, who were very good against uh, opposing running backs from a fantasy standpoint. Hines ended up playing 73% of the snaps, with Wilkins playing 29% of the snaps. Uh, he Hines saw five targets for, and then caught five for 25 yards. Ended up with a decent PPR day of 9.3 fantasy points, but this is nothing to write home about. Uh, I I really want to see Marlon Mack in a feature role in this offense, but if he can't get healthy, then it's a problem. I mean, I'm holding him in my deeper leagues because I'm, I think he's the best running back of these three, and he's one that can do both the running and the receiving. Um, but he's been injured this entire summer. He comes back for one game. Um, you know, splits time with Wilkins and then gets injured again. So, uh, you know, if he's not going to be healthy in the next two or three weeks, we're going to see this ugly committee between Hines and Wilkins because they sort of complement each other with, with Hines doing most of the receiving and Wilkins doing most of the running. Uh, I don't get the Titans. I don't, I don't know how they're two and one. I, I, didn't see that coming yesterday. I didn't see it coming two weeks ago when they beat the Texans, although it looks like Houston is legit bad. Um, Deion Lewis rushed nine times for 26 yards. He caught three of three targets for 14 yards. And Derrick Henry rushed 18 times for 50, 57 yards. And he outtouched Lewis 18 to 12. So I don't, again, I don't get anything about the Titans, including this backfield situation. Maybe you can make heads, heads or tails of it. This is, I mean, the splits are going to be based on. Um... What's based on game flow? So if if the the game is close uh, and Henry has it going a little bit, then he's going to see fifteen to twenty carries because they view him as the better runner between him and Deion Lewis. Uh, if they're trailing at all, they need to throw the ball. It's going to be Lewis in there. He's uh, seen twelve targets uh, to Henry's two uh, in three games. So he's also um, pretty close in, in rushing attempts, 39 to 46 on the year. So it, it, I think it's game flow. I, I'm not going to be ranking Henry very high unless they get a really easy matchup in the running game. And it looks like uh, the Titans are going to be leading the whole way because uh, as soon as it, they fall behind, it's going to be the Deion Lewis show. 
All right, before we get to the Monday night football matchup, John, uh, did you have any other thoughts on waiver wire pickups? You, you've been kind of talking about it throughout the course of the, the podcast with Garoppolo's injury and, and Evan Ingram's injury. We talked about Calvin Ridley. Any other guys that kind of stand out this week? Yeah, I mean, I think Tyler Boyd and Mike Williams are worth a look. I don't know how available they are in most leagues. Uh, my leagues, are, they've been picked up already, but uh, they're, they're both pushing for – number two role on their in their respective passing offense uh, and that goes for Ridley as well so you're going from fantasy afterthought to fantasy starter fantasy you know depth uh, at that level and I think that you know the, the quarterback with with Garoppolo going down this the streaming uh, waiver wire should be pretty active this week and I mentioned a few of those guys earlier uh, Jeff Miller is doing our waiver wire watch this year and I edit that uh, to kind of go through and if, adjust the prices if I think things are a little bit too high or a little too low. He's doing a great job, so look for that uh, to come out later today. Monday Night Football, you got the Steelers and the Buccaneers. Should be a high-scoring game. I, I, if you have got Antonio Brown or uh, James Conner, Mike Evans, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, this this one, the total is set, in, set at 54, so points shouldn't be a problem. Injury-related news, the, the Steelers are banged up along their offensive line. The Bucks are banged up defensively. So they're, from a fantasy perspective, there really isn't much to go into there. But do you have any observations or questions that you have before, before this game? Well, I think it's fascinating to watch the Buccaneers uh, and you know how they're going to handle uh, Fitzpatrick versus Jameis Winston. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to see if Deshaun Jackson can keep it going. Chris Godwin can continue to develop. Uh, and then on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, James Washington, does he, uh, step in? I think he had 80% of the snaps last week. Does he continue to, uh, rise as a, as a fantasy asset? I mean, Juju, you know what you got with Antonio Brown, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. So, uh, it should be a fun one tonight with all the scoring. And I do have a pick coming out right now. I'm 11 and three on the year with my 444.com picks. So it's been a good start to the season. Although, did you did you see the 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 one person on Twitter say I'd be lucky to finish 500 after you post posted my pick last week, John? Yeah, I mean he's that guy's always <laughs> really fun at parties. Uh, everybody, no, but I, you know, it, it's going to catch up with you a little bit. I don't Certainly. think you're going to be able to go 11 and three rest of the year or that sort of percentage. But that's the way it goes. I mean, you're hot right now. Either people can either follow you and make some money or fade you and make some money. We just don't know yet, mm-hmm. do we? No, not at all. I my, my goal would be sixty percent. It would. My my goal would be sixty percent on the year. That'd be that'd be fantastic. And I think a lot of um uh, betters would take that. Right now I'm hitting at seventy nine percent. So that's that's not sustainable whatsoever. But I do have a pick tonight and I don't I don't take offense if, if you do decide to fade me from here on out or fade me until I cool off, whatever it might be. Uh but that that should be come out a little bit later on. John's gonna get hard it hard uh, into his man cave there working on his rankings tomorrow they should be posted tomorrow night until that point make sure you check out 44.com's league sync app that's going to be a handy tool especially with all these injuries starting to mount around the league check that out in your app store and that'll do it for john paulson you can follow him on twitter at 444 underscore john you can follow me as well at anthony stalter we'll see you next time on 444.com's the most accurate podcast Beat that won't stop the feet.